Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast, where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from some of the top achievers in our home state of South Carolina. These neighbors of ours will also share their time-tested personal philosophies and solutions to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love, along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. Our guest today lives in Greenville, South Carolina. She's a native South Carolinian and a huge Clemson Tigers fan. She is recognized authority in the construction and capital projects industry. She's a capital projects consultant, helping your project land in a successful 40% without destroying your health and personal life. She has worked with leaders and diverse teams in some of the most recognized brands in North America, South America, Europe, and Asia. She also speaks at industry events and is a guest lecturer in the construction science and management program at Clemson University. And finally, she hosts the Team of a Lifetime podcast, where she and her guests explore small wins, big breakthroughs, and inspire people to achieve success, not just in business, but also in life. As you can tell, she knows success intimately and grows it everywhere she goes. So I'm excited to hear from her and share her wisdom with you guys. Welcome to the show, a key part of my podcasting mastermind group and my friend, Sally Love. Hey, Sally. Hey, Jonathan. Thank you so much. Oh, that was amazing. We can just stop mouthful, right there. Wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't well, hey, Go Tigers, by the way. <laughs> I know, right? Hooray, hooray. I'm one of those. Are you the type of Tiger? Maybe this will get us off on the wrong foot, Sally. Are you the type of Tiger fan that also cheers for the Gamecocks when they're not playing them? Or are you like, nope, I'm cheering for the Tigers and whoever's playing against the Gamecocks. Oh, let me tell you, my blood runs orange and only orange. And it has since I was six <laughs> years old. So the, I can only pull for one team, Jonathan, and it's my Clemson Tiger. Sorry, just one yeah. team. That's all. Well, I, I love because I'm a, a fan of all things South Carolina. I still cheer for Gamecocks. I've told some of my friends who are Gamecock fans, you know what? I hope your team is number two at the end of the year when we beat you. Uh, but anyway, so let's get off that because we're already losing listeners <laughs> right now. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I was just being honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, beyond the turning point, reached a turning point in mid 2021. What made you change your vision and rename your podcast? Well, I was interviewing people about significant turning points that they had in their life. But the people that I work with in business didn't see the connection. And I wanted them to have the benefit of hearing those types of interviews and with those guests of mine. But I wanted them to tune in. And the only way they were going to tune in is if they could see the connection through the name of the podcast. So that's why I changed it. Gotcha. So it wasn't necessarily you changed the vision. You really just kind of changed the name to appeal to the audience that you were trying to reach in business as well as in personal. Yes. The the vision stayed exactly the same. And what made you start this podcast to begin with, Sally? Oh my goodness. I had been thinking about starting a podcast for a couple of years. I'd read a couple of books and and then I was on this uh, kind of mastermind Zoom call during 2020 when nobody could go anywhere. And this guy was an expert and he was sharing with everybody on there and about how to start a podcast and the benefits of it. 
And I just looked at that and I said, yes, this is what I need to do. I like to talk. My husband would say, yes, she definitely likes to talk. And so I thought this would be a good thing for me to do is is to have a podcast. And then I realized I don't want to just get on there and talk. Okay, because who wants to hear me talk for 30 minutes or 40 (laughs) minutes? Nobody. Okay, And so I realized that I I really wanted to interview other people. And so that is the key focus of my podcast is interviewing other very successful people, much like you do. Yeah, well, thank you. And it's so fun. You get to meet some interesting people. You get to hear great stories. Uh, But there's in addition to that, there are great business benefits in it. A lot of people are thinking about whether it be going into podcasting or even appearing as a featured guest on someone else's podcast. Can you speak real quick to the benefits of both of those things from both sides? Well, the benefit of another person coming on a podcast is that you're able to get your message out there to people that otherwise you may never meet. They may never hear of you, but because you're on this podcast, you're getting your message out there. Just like you're helping me get my message out today by being a guest on Success in South Carolina. And um, and so that is, a for me, podcasting is a great way for guests to get their message out there, get their name out there. And it helps people get to know them and see, hey, do I resonate with this person? Is this somebody that I might like to work with? There's all kinds of benefits to that. right? And then the benefit um, for the podcaster, for you and I, who are both podcasters, is like you said, we get to meet a lot of really smart, talented, successful people, and you learn so much from them. And it is a great marketing tool, because then Mm -hmm. we're getting our name and um, our values out there in the marketplace as well. Yeah. I like to say that a lot of the silent stalkers, your prospects and your customers, most of them are not the ones that you, especially within the marketing industry, we talk a lot about engagement. Most of your project, most of your prospects aren't engaging a lot, at least that you know of. They are the silent people that might be checking you out on your Facebook or your LinkedIn or your website. And if they can get if they can find some way to get to hear your voice, get to hear your story and your values. Because one of the biggest barriers that people have to break down in sales, like we talked about earlier, is the no like, and trust. They have to get to know you like you and trust you. And if they can hear Sally's voice, hear her story, and then they can go, you know what? I can relate to her story. She's, she's gone through all these projects. She's gone through these challenges and these, you know what? I'm going through those same things. Maybe she can help me with this. Yeah. It, it is a great way to to for somebody to hear your voice and get insight into what what is this person's values how do they approach business would they be able to help me yeah well speaking of that so what are the values that you go around preaching sally well you have to have a fundamental belief in people to be successful in life and in business you have to have a fundamental belief in people. Are there some bad apples out there? Sure, there are, but they are few and far between. You must have a fundamental belief that people want to show up at work every day and they want to do a good job. 
You see, Jonathan, I don't believe that people wake up in the morning at whatever time they wake up. I'm not an early riser, but at whatever time you wake up, I don't think people wake up and say, well, I think I'm just going to go to work today and be a slacker. People don't say that. They want to go to work. They want to contribute. They want to be engaged. But it's what happens to them when they get to work that prevents them from doing those things. Right, right. I love the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Sally. In the first chapter of that book, Dale Carnegie talks about how everybody that you see, whether they're, whether they're even, even the worst terrorist or, or whatever, feel like they're doing the right thing in their own mind. Yes. Uh, so, so meeting people at that and seeing that, you know what, they feel like they're doing the right thing. They feel, if I can understand that they're, that people are generally good, fundamental believing in people, and like, I love the quote from Jim Rohn. He said, you know what? Most people are good. There's only really six bad people in the world, but you have to be careful because they move around a lot. <laughs> yeah, right? there's a lot of truth to that as well. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, so tell us your story. Tell it. You've gone through a lot of challenges and changes throughout your history and your landscape. And that's how you've become this guru of being able to help these capital projects land in that successful 40%. What are some of those challenges, the obstacles, the setbacks, the hiccups you've had along the way? Well, Jonathan, one of the first challenges and barriers that I encountered is one day I was sitting in my boss's office and I was a young 25, 26-year-old girl. They called us girls back then, not women. And I told him what my dreams and my aspirations were. And I told him, I want to be a project manager. You need to find a project for me to manage because mm -hmm. I'm ready for that. I mean, at 25, 26, I was going to conquer the world. And I sure. let him know that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he was not as progressive a thinker as I was at the time. And he, he moved his glasses. He had these, um, oh gosh, these clear framed glasses and he moved them down on his nose and he peered over them. And he said, Sally, you will not be a project manager until you are 40 and you have gray hair. And Jonathan, in that moment, I was more determined than ever to become a project manager. And I looked at him at I, I won't say his name. I said, let me tell you something. I said, I will not wait until I am 40 to be a project manager. And I said, and I will make sure that my hairdresser makes it that I never have gray hair. And, <laughs> and that was the end of our conversation. I left his office and I just, I went back to my little office and I thought, okay, I, you've got to figure this out, Sally, because this is, you're going to overcome this barrier. He doesn't think you can do it. He doesn't want you to do it. He's not going to support you to do it. So what are you going to do, Sally? What are you going to do? And that was probably the first big barrier, big challenge that I encountered in my career. And, and it was a different world back then, too. I mean, the, the way you speak about it was if this, this was the one guy and it was his thought. That's almost the way that a lot of, uh, and I don't know if it was a majority of society, but but a good 
bit of society thought that way back then that you needed oh, to be and, old. Oh, that and was especially commonplace. within the sexual barriers, right? Yes. Yes. That it was commonplace. It really, I can look back on it now and laugh, you know, I can laugh about how bold I was at 25 or 26 and going in there and telling him, you know, how I was going to conquer the world and everything. And I can also laugh at his response because that's what he knew. He wasn't accustomed to having some female engineer come into his office and tell him that she was going to be a project manager and that she right. was going to be a project manager soon. So right. I can. And in his own it. mind, he was just trying to break the break the truth to you, right? He was just trying to let you know what it was going to be. He didn't realize that that he had a notion in his head that wasn't necessarily correct. Like you said, if you're believing and have this fundamental belief in people, that he's probably a good person. It was just trying to put you on the right path. But at the same time, you've got a lot to thank him for because he set a fire in you. And some people need that fire, that opposition to set that fire in them. You know, they need somebody to tell them they can't do something. Yes. And you're exactly right, Jonathan. He meant no ill will. That, that was his perspective. And he was just telling me, this is the way it is. And and I do have a lot to thank him for, because anytime somebody tells Sally, you can't do that, then watch out, just get out of the way, because I am going to prove that, yes, I can do that. Well, let me be the first to say, Sally, you cannot get the number one podcast in America. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, Jonathan. Okay. All right. I just, I just took the bait. I, I'm going to, I'm going to work on that. <laughs> oh, so that's, uh, I appreciate you sharing that. How any other challenges? I know that along that was early on in your career. What other challenges have you come up against? Oh, there's been a lot of challenges. Now I, I do want to say this. I'm extremely blessed. When I look at the challenges that a lot of people deal with either personally, professionally, um, with their health, different things. I I am very blessed. I have absolutely nothing to complain about, nothing in Mm. this world. But when I do look at my little challenges, I mean, one of the challenges was starting a company back then. Okay. I I started my company 31 years ago. Which by the way, congrats on that. 30 plus years. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you very much. I will say that it feels like it's been about five years. It's it's just amazing to me that it could possibly be 31. But at that time, it was not common for people to just leave corporate America and start a business. You know, again, that is so commonplace now. People have side hustles now. They do nobody thought like that. Nobody did those things back then. And so um, so when I started my business, that was a real challenge to figure out how to be an entrepreneur. And I would say that of um, from being an entrepreneur for 31 years, one of the biggest things that I've had to learn how to deal with, and I have, I have, I have learned it, is the roller coaster ride. Mm. It's feast or famine. It's either mm-hmm. you have so much work to do that I'm sitting there thinking, how in the world am I going to get all this work done? How am I going to deliver these deliverables to all these clients? Or I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm out of business. I have no work. Nobody's going to hire me. It's over. We're done. And, you know, early on, that was very unsettling. And I had to learn how to manage the roller coaster ride. 
how do you manage that? That's that is something that is more and more prevalent nowadays. This ability to understand that there are seasons within life, there are seasons within your business. How do you manage that roller coaster? How do you manage the ups and downs? Well, the way that I got to where I can manage it is just with enough history to realize it's going to be okay. That to realize that yes, the roller coaster goes up and it comes down. And when I think I'm at rock bottom, it comes right back up again. Mm-hmm. And so it was just having enough of those cycles going through enough of those seasons that that you mentioned. And, and I love the word seasons. And that is so true. It truly is seasons, just like seasons of the year. Things don't yeah. stay the same. But it was it was that recognition that, okay, I've made it five years. I've made it eight years. I've made, oh, okay, I see. This is the pattern and there's nothing I can do about it and I will be okay. Now, from the other standpoint, um, I had to learn to, to manage it from a financial standpoint. Um, I am a natural saver. I'm not a spender. Yeah. And so, so that helped me in that regard because I set aside money to make payroll and to keep the business going um, when the roller coaster was down at the bottom in those lean yeah. years. And so that is a very practical way that I had to, um, that I implemented to be able to uh, sustain those uh, roller coaster ups and downs. How do you mentally and psychologically keep pushing during the bottom of that roller coaster ride during the winter season, you know, when, when you feel like, okay, everything, where, where's my next contract coming in? Where, where are things going? What happened to the, to the summer? I was just doing so well. And why am I here again? You know, we just went through this four years ago or five years ago or however, eight years ago, whatever you said, why am I here again? How do you make it through that mentally and psychologically and keep your self image intact? I practice what I preach to my clients and I encourage myself. I just say, Sally, you've got it. You can do this. It's going to be okay. And I truly focus on work. If I allow myself to focus on external things, then, oh, I'm going to lose the battle. So I just have to focus on work. What can I improve in in the work that I have done in the past? How can I improve my work product so that when the work does come back, I'm prepared for it? So it's truly a focus on work, even during the lean times. That's how I do it. Yeah. I feel like that most people, when they go through those winter seasons, it develops a lot of character. It develops that grit within them. Uh, it develops that uh, mentality that helps them get to the next peak in life, right? If, But but I love that you said, just keep focusing on the work, keep pushing down, keep encouraging yourself. Because you don't, when you go into that valley or that season of life, you don't want to sleep there. You don't want to stay there. Exactly. You got to keep pushing. Yes, that's right. And that's why I have to encourage myself. I have to positive self-talk and I have to remind myself, Sally, you've got this. You've got this. This is just a short season and it will come back. And it always does. Do you have like scripted affirmations, Sally, or do you just in the moment when you're feeling down, be like, you got this, you're a winner, whatever it is. 
I do not have scripted affirmations. I can remember back in the 1990s when my company that I was working for at the time put me through a leadership development program. I had never experienced anything like that. And I remember learning about affirmations for the first time. I'd never even heard that word before. And yeah. uh, but I, but since then, I mean, I have never had scripted affirmations. Now, I will tell you one thing that I do. And it's, it's kind of related to affirmations is I, I have my goals for the year. I have seven goals every year. Uh, seven is, is really a magical number. There's two number three and seven. The brain just processes threes and sevens really well. So I, have I learned seven. that in after school specials. <laughs> exactly. Three is the magic number. And yeah, it seven. Is. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. So I have seven goals for the year. And I write them out in handwriting. I don't type them. I write them out every day. And they are worded as if they have already happened. Okay. So wow. they're not worded, I will do this. They are worded, I have done this. Okay. Mm. So I am I am dropping myself in the success, the, the end result of what it's going to look like and feel like when that is done. So that's kind of like an affirmation. Yeah, definitely. And there, that's a biblical principle you just talked about right there, Sally. I know in Proverbs, it says to take the vision and make it plain, to put it on tablets, uh, because that's not just typing it up as one thing, but you're getting the tactile thing of yes. actually writing it out, the, the actually seeing it, uh, maybe even, even saying it as you're doing it. So you can engage every single one of the senses, uh, your hearing and your vision and your tactile. It's amazing that yeah, that's seven goals too. So you mentioned the number seven magic number, anything, any other reason, why not three goals? Cause that's a magic number two. Oh, three is too broad. It, for too me, broad. three is too broad. I could have three main categories. You know, I might have yeah. a, a health uh, category and a financial category, you know, I might have these big categories, but to me, three is too broad. I've got to get a little more granular on that. And that's why I choose seven. So let me ask, cause on your podcast, uh, I've listened to a few episodes and on your website, you talk about people have so much untapped potential. What do you believe keeps most people from realizing that potential, Sally? Well, there's a couple of things. One is a lack of confidence, is self-doubt. And I was just interviewing somebody on my podcast last week, and, and he said, you know, I've got these limiting beliefs. And I'll conquer one, but then another one shows up. Mm. And isn't that the way it is? You know, it's whack-a-mole. It, it is. It's whack-a-mole. You think, okay, I've got this now. And then something else jumps up and, and you start to have self-doubt and lack of confidence. And to me, that is what prevents us internally, something that we can control. That's what prevents us from tapping into our own potential. But in the workplace, what prevents people from tapping into potential is the culture in which they are working. There are, if you can imagine like um, a continuum and on the left side, there's um, a negative culture. And then on the far uh, right side, there's a positive culture. People perform best when they are in a positive culture, but so many of the cultures in the workplace today and for many, many, many previous years are focused on the negative. It's telling people what they screwed up rather than telling them what they did well. 
Right. It's, it's criticism versus recognition for doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to play golf. I'm not any good at it. But you have to plant the seed in your own mind and with the people that you're leading and the people you're working around of, of the end result that you do want, not what you don't want. And so the way I look at it, like from golf, is if I get up there and I'm going to tee off and I'm going to tee off over water. Okay. Mm. I, I should not stand up there and say, Sally, don't hit it in the water. Don't hit it in the water. Don't, mm. because I am planting the seed in my mind of what I don't want. I don't want to mm. hit it in the water. Guess what's going to happen? That ball is going in the water. Mm. Okay. So what you have to do is you have to visualize to take golf. You have to visualize, forget the waters there. And you have to visualize where you're going to put that ball in the fairway. It's the same way in the workplace as leaders. We have to demonstrate to people what we do want. That's what we have to reinforce, not what we don't want. Mm. I'm taking notes here. So apologize. <laughs> you've got a lot of good stuff. Oh, good. good. So lack of confidence, self-doubt. Let me ask you, this is a dumb question, but is confidence something you can fake it till you make it, Sally? I think that you can give yourself a boost of energy. And if you call that faking it till you make it, then yes, I would go for that. You, you know, the way we carry ourselves, the way we walk into a room, if you walk into a room and and you don't have self-confidence, your shoulders are slumped over and you're, you're looking very tentative. So Yes, in the moment, you can say, okay, I'm nervous, I'm scared, I'm whatever I am, but I'm going to put my shoulders back and I'm going to walk in and I'm going to smile and I'm going to engage with people. And guess what? When you do that, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. People start engaging back and you start to believe, hey, I belong here. I have value. And then they engage more and it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, there's definitely some physiological things that you can do that you have control of that can impact your confidence or not. Absolutely. If if you take a deep breath, put your shoulders back, put your chin up, these things, even though they may sound stupid, they actually chemically in your brain give you that confidence that you're talking about. Okay, I've got another, another dumb question here. The culture which they're working uh, you mentioned, so the plant the seed you want, visualize where you don't want to go or don't, no, don't plant the seed you don't want. And I love to say something that I've, and maybe this isn't a dumb question, but something I learned, uh, I studied psychology in college was that your brain doesn't actually understand negative. Like it doesn't understand the word no. So if you said, I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to do that, it cancels out that word. No. And just says, I'm going to do this. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's yeah. so weird how our brain does that. Yeah. And isn't that cool? Very cool. Yeah. So, but it's cool so, to understand that because now you now if you understand that your power and you can use that to your benefit, then you can stop stop saying I'm not going to hit it in the water and start visualizing hitting on the green. I love exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And and I I coach people and consult with people all the time. And l- let's say it's a brand new project, um, a billion dollar project. You would think that the people leading the project would have a very clear vision of what success looks like. But let me tell you, they do not. And if they don't have a clear vision of what success looks like, 
how in the world are there people who are working on this project? And, you know, on a billion dollar project, there are thousands of people working on that project Mm -hmm. at various times. They need to have a very clear vision of what success looks like. And what I do is I get them to drop themselves into the success. I tell them fast forward. If the project is three years, let's fast forward three years. The project is over. I I did this just last week on a call with a a new team. And, And I say, imagine what it feels like, what it sounds like, what it looks like. What are people doing? What are people saying? What are you hearing? What are other people that were not involved in this project? What were what are they saying about the effort of this team? And to me, that that is where you have to start. I mean, you're you're doing the podcast here, Success in South Carolina. What is success? Well, we have to define what success is. Don't just leave it to chance and assume, well, everybody knows what success is. No, everybody has a different idea of what success is. And every project you come across has a different definition of success. It it blows my mind that that when you start a project that the very first conversation isn't, what does success look like in this project? It, it it used to blow my mind too, but it doesn't now because I, I expect it now. But you see, that is not what comes natural to people leading these big mega projects like this. So okay? what are they focused on if they're not focusing on that definition of success? What are they? What's what's the first thing on the agenda they're thinking about? Moving dirt. How fast can we move dirt? I mean, they want to <laughs> get all that heavy equipment out there, and they want to be moving dirt. Okay, and. You're not going to be successful moving dirt until people understand what success looks like. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm going to use this as a great transition point, Sally. One of the things I love to ask each one of my guests is how do you define success? Well, I define success that you accomplish the goals in life that are important to you while also keeping intact your personal relationships. Mm. So I can, I'll just take it from a business perspective. Maybe we could move dirt and move dirt and put up, you know, steel and erect this building and, and start making whatever product it is that they want to make. Maybe we could do that without keeping our relationships intact. And maybe we would call that success. But is that really success? In my mind, that is not success. That's accomplishing a goal, but that's not success. You see, in the industry that I work in, people are away from home a lot. They're away Mm. from their families. They're working crazy hours. I want them to go home at night intact. I want them to still be connected to their families, to their spouse, to their children, to their grandchildren. To me, That is success, is accomplishing these great goals while also maintaining your relationships and Mm. your health, I might add, your health as well. Right, right. Yeah, if you accomplish, if the project goes through, you've moved the dirt, but you're in the hospital because of stress and you and your wife are about to get divorced or whatever it is, then that was not a successful project. No, not in my mind, not at all. And unfortunately- that is very common in this industry that I work in. 
Yeah. And if it's not one thing, it's another. It's people, well, we've had to lay off a bunch of people or we had to do whatever. We had to compromise on our culture or on our values in order to get this project done. Well, then it wasn't a success. We've got to we've got to stay true to ourselves and keep those things. So then let me ask you this. When it comes to personal life, not not business, not these corporate, not these big projects, but in personal life, is balance something that's really worth pursuing, Sally, or is balance something that hinders us from accomplishing that success? Oh, I believe that balance is worth pursuing. However, I think people most often have a misguided notion about what balance is. I think that when people hear balance, they think 50-50. Right. And I think that's a disservice to people yeah. because in in my mind, balance again goes back to seasons. At you know, during this season of your life, you might be working a lot. In this season, you might be out on the lake fishing or kayaking or things right. things that I love doing. You have to recognize that there is a balance there. I mean, for instance, my grandson plays baseball. Well, next week, he's going to start the regular season. Okay. Well, I can tell you where you're going to find Sally for Mm -hmm. the month of March and April. I'm going to be at the high school baseball field. I'm going to be wherever he's playing baseball. And for two months, those things are blocked out on my calendar I'm going to be there watching him, cheering for him, taking a million pictures. Well, not a million, but 350 pictures every game. (laughs) And seriously, that's how many I take. But that's a season. Yeah, that's his baseball season, but that's a season for me. And like in the wintertime, I work a lot in the wintertime because I can't get outside Mm -hmm. and do all the things. I, I love being outside. and But I can't do that in the wintertime like I can in the summertime. So balance is not a 50-50 every day, every week, every month. It is a balance of those seasons throughout the year. That's the way I look at it. So then help me define that. I'm trying to put uh, put it into good words there. If balance is not 50-50 and it depends on what season of life, it depends on what your what your values are even, how do we how do you strike a balance then? Well, I think the first thing that you do, if you zoom out and you look at your year, much like the example that I just gave about baseball, I know when baseball season is going to be. I know it's March and April. Mm. Zoom out and look at that and say, okay, in that season, this is what I'm going to focus on. In this season, people have to zoom out, though, to do that. Yeah. Most people don't stop to do that, Jonathan. Right. They just don't. They're just going through every day, yesterday, today, every day just kind of looks like the day before. They don't zoom out to do that. So instead of pursuing, instead of pursuing balance in the day, you're pursuing the balance in life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I can tell you, I, I definitely don't try to pursue balance in a day. I mean, for instance, this morning, uh, Monday mornings, I swim. Okay. I absolutely swim. Nothing's going to keep me from swimming. It's one of the things that, that I do to keep my energy up and, and it makes me better at my job is swimming, but I don't swim every day. Okay. But I do swim on Mondays and Fridays. Mm -hmm. And that's, so if you looked at the different days of week for me, oh, they're out of balance. But when you zoom out and you look at the year, I'm in balance. So success 
is about keeping that balance across there, getting, getting, getting these things accomplished, but not at the expense of your life, your health, your relationships. What are Sally's personal keys to success? Oh, my personal keys to success. Oh, wow. That is a difficult question, Jonathan. I didn't know you were going to ask me such hard questions. (laughs) (laughs) My personal keys to success. Well, I just mentioned one of them. I must be engaged in physical activity. I swim. I do CrossFit. I I have to do that. That is a personal key to my success. I could not have the energy uh, and the passion and the stamina to deliver for my clients if, if I didn't have that. So for me, exercise, being outside, and, and then, like I said, putting, you know, having that balance, I know where my priorities are, my family is Mm -hmm. right up there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when I look at, okay, do I do this or do do I do that? I have to weigh that and say, what impact is that going to have on my family? Mm -hmm. So knowing your priorities is a very big thing. It's huge. And energy. I feel like that's huge that people don't talk about that a lot that you just said, Hey, well, it's physical activity. It's doing this swimming, but really it's, it's about bringing your best self, bringing the energy to Sally, to everything else you do, doing that physical activity helps you with the energy, helps you with the, all the stuff maintain, helps you have the endurance to do all the things you need to do and outside of the gym. Oh, absolutely. Now, while I'm swimming those laps, I'm thinking, oh, I'm so tired. But let me tell you, 45 minutes after I get out of that pool, oh, I could run a marathon. Not really. I just think I could run a marathon. I have so much energy, so much enthusiasm, so much excitement for the rest of my day. And I can stay more focused when I have exercised. And so when people say, well, I, you know, it kind of makes me tired to work out. Oh, no, no. Working out gives you energy. It doesn't take energy away from you. So if you've got these, if every day is a little bit different, but you've got balance overall throughout the week or month or year, I assume you're creating a lot of habits. Are they daily habits? Are they weekly habits? What? Tell us a little bit about your habits. I would say that my habits are mostly weekly. You know, like I I just mentioned that I swim on Mondays and Fridays. I do CrossFit on Wednesdays. Um, I don't work on the weekend unless I absolutely have to. Once in a while I do, but um, not very often. And so when I look at a week, um, I look at what are my habits for that week? Okay. What, What habits do you recommend? What do you think is your most beneficial habit? Obviously, working out is a good one. But what, uh, in addition to that, what are your, what are some of your most beneficial habits you have? Well, one that I'm really working on, it's not, I'm not very good at it, Jonathan. Okay. So I'm going to be real here. I believe that having a habit of going to bed at the same time every night and getting up at the same time every day is a phenomenal habit. And when I do it, it's wonderful. But, oh, do I struggle with that one? I'm oh. the worst defender there too, Sally. So <laughs> it's I'm right awful. there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but, I, but I know it works. I, I know yeah. it's good. And I recommend that people do that 
Um, but oh, that is something that I really struggle with a lot. And I love that these, 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 oh golly, these success principles that you're bringing Sally seem from the outside perspective, they seem so basic, but holy cow, they're so fundamental to getting, if if you were to give a success talk and say, uh, give your TED talk, say, go to sleep at a good hour, get up in the morning and that's your TED talk. But that is so, it's way more impactful than people can ever imagine. And yet, you know, like I said, I'm the worst offender too, Sally. So I, <laughs> I need to start eating my own medicine or drinking my own medicine here. But well, that you is, know, it's huge. But you bring up a really good point, Jonathan, about things being fundamental, things seeming simple. I have found that you really do need to keep things simple. When we start complicating things and we start adding layers of things, oh my goodness, that doesn't do anybody any good. In fact, I think that's one of my superpowers that I help my clients with is I go in and 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 they're they're mired down in problems and challenges and and things that just aren't going well. And I'm able to look at that and go, okay, I see all that stuff. And it's stuff. It's literally just stuff. And it it seems so important. But what can we get rid of? To me, we have to we have to get rid of things. Stop adding more mm. things. It's what can we get rid of? We have to declutter our lives just like we de- declutter our closet and our our kitchen mm. counters. You know, we just have to declutter things. But I have discovered over my many years of uh, working is that simple is really effective. Isn't that simple? And yet as human beings, we are renowned for making things complicated. We're renowned for collecting, collecting small, you said like your closet, for example, or, or your desk or whatever it is, but we're known for just collecting. Oh, I need this small thing. I need that small thing. And and the more we carry into in in it, and I'm using those physical examples, but these could be emotional. These could be mental examples. These could be psychological, whatever it is that we're carrying with us into every single challenge we, and after a while, that weight becomes so heavy. Oh yeah. We can't, yeah. It's, it's, it's a million pounds. That's right. Yeah. And, and that's when people become immobilized and they lose hope. They lose right. hope in, in the future, in their career, in their personal life. They just lose hope. And when you lose hope, Oh, watch out. I mean, how are you going to get up every day and keep going on when, when you have no hope? So last big deep question, how do you unburden yourself from those things? Oh, you said I you've don't... got to declutter. Do you have any kind of method to, hey, you know what? Here's some here's ways that I let go of things. Here's a way that I get get rid of things. Well, are you talking about physical things or emotional things or what? All of the above. All of the above. Okay. <laughs> uh, you do not want to get me on a decluttering kick. We would be on here for a couple more hours. Uh, think of things as a container. That that's my my biggest suggestion is just think of a container. You and you get to set the size of the container. Okay. All right. I have this container. I have this box. And I can keep this much of this stuff in this box. And that's easy to imagine. L- let's say it's books. Now, I love to read. I bet you love to read as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I don't need to keep every book that I've ever read. And I don't. As soon as I read a mm-hmm. book, I pass it along to somebody else. Okay. Who can I give this book to that they will benefit? Mm-hmm. And I don't buy very mm-hmm. many physical books anymore. I download them so that yeah. I'm not looking at that clutter. But it works the same way 
with the mental and emotional things that we're dealing with. Just say, okay, I have this container, which is our capacity for dealing with something. And, mm. and just recognize we all have a limited capacity for dealing with things. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so mentally give yourself a container and say, all right, maybe it's a difficult person that you're dealing with at work. And you say to yourself, all right, my container is I can only interface with this person for 20 minutes a day. Put a box around it, make it a container and say, okay, I I know I can only handle 20 minutes with this person. So I'm only going to handle 20 minutes with this person. And then you set up boundaries so that you are not interfacing Mm. with that person all day long and making yourself miserable. Does that help? Yes. Yes. So here's what I took from that. Priorities and boundaries. Yes. Priorities and boundaries. If you get, you got to learn to know what's important, what fits in that box, put a box around it and put a boundary. Because if you don't, as creatures, as human creatures, we, we let go, we let other people take our boundary and throw other stuff in our box. Yes, we do. We we should decide what goes in our box. Yes. And, and we, only we can set our boundaries. Someone else cannot set boundaries for us. Only we as adults can, can set our boundaries. So if you're looking for somebody else to set your boundary, oh oh, no, not as an adult. Now, if you know, if you're raising a child, you're going to set some boundaries, but as adults, we must set our own boundaries. You cannot look to somebody else to do that. And you can't try to set someone else's boundaries for them. That's trying to control them, right? Right. That won't work. You can try it and you're going to be really, (laughs) really frustrated. That doesn't work at all. Well, listen, so uh, I want to ask a few rapid fire questions and then jump into promoting your company. Uh, Favorite book? My favorite book is Essentialism. And that goes back to really focusing on what is essential and getting rid of all the other stuff out there. This is not the first time I've heard of this book, Sally, but I've never read it. Uh, Do me a quick promo. What is it? Um, it's, it is truly, it, it is truly about taking the time to identify what is essential in your life. What, what is essential? Meaning I have to have this and realizing that all this other stuff is not essential. Yes, yeah. you can do some of it, but most of it, nah, you just need to push it away. I have read that book so many times. I love that book. All right, essentialism. Going to put it on my uh, Amazon wish list right now. Okay. Okay. Next question. What do you do for fun? I know we talked about the swimming, and I know we talked about going to baseball. But what do you do for fun for Sally? I live on a lake, and I love to kayak. I love to fish with my grandson. And this will probably shock you. I grew up on a farm, and my happy place is being on my John Deere tractor bush hogging. Wow. Very interesting. That that, that kind of does surprise me. Okay, next question. Last last rapid fire. Favorite travel location? Oh boy, um, I would have to say Ireland. I've I've done work in Ireland uh, several times on some major pharmaceutical projects, and I I describe Ireland as just magical. And taking the train between two big cities. You sit there in the train and you're looking out and I have never seen so many shades of green. I, 
you know, you think about, well, green, yeah, there's lime green and there's Kelly green. Oh no, in Ireland, there, there's just this unimaginable number of green colors. And to Ooh. me, you see that sitting on the train going from one city to the other city. I love Ireland. Yeah. For somebody who loves to be outside and loves growth, those two things, I can understand why you love all those shades of green. I'm going to have to go there myself. You've sold me on it too. Yeah. You all should right, guys. Do that. If you, I want to promote two things. If you guys like my podcast, you need to check out team of a lifetime because Sally and I have a very similar purpose and a very similar flavor. Uh, which episode, by the way, if you had to point to one episode, Sally, which episode's your favorite? Oh, not, no, I'm not going to bite on <laughs> okay. that. Okay. No, no, no. Which episode, <laughs> which episode should be the first, if someone wanted to listen to one, to let them know what you stand about and and, and what, what would be a good one for them to jump into is the first one. You know what? I'm so glad you asked me that question because my very first episode ever, ever is the one that everybody should start with. Now you okay. don't have to go, you know, listen to the second one next and all, but listen to the first episode. It's with my friend, Dick Dakota, and he talks about his experience of running ultra marathons and ultra marathons mm. is something like a hundred miles and it's over this rough terrain and the, the, just the tenacity that he had to endure the challenges that he had mm. to overcome doing that. You will be inspired listening to that episode. So it's the very first episode. Episode one. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> Got it right out of the gate. I, did. I, I, I probably wouldn't be proud of any of the first 10 episodes necessarily. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still figuring things out, honestly, Sally. Oh, uh, are we all? <laughs> tell us about your consulting business. Sally Love uh, Inspires. Is that yes. the name of it? Yes, Sally Love Inspires. And um, if anybody wants to connect with me, they can connect with me there, sallyloveinspires.com. And I work primarily um, on major capital projects, 100 million up to tens of billions of dollars, or with um, construction companies and, and big manufacturing companies. So, Very good. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Sally. Any other Any other general things you want to throw out there for our audience? Yes, go out and encourage somebody. There is somebody out there right now who has self-doubt, who's lacking confidence. Just look around you. There are people who need encouragement and you might be the only encouragement that they get. And it costs you nothing. Nothing at all. Thanks for listening to the Success in South Carolina podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. And as always, this is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing. So speed up or move over. Are you still listening? Check out the next episode.